Let's give a thank you to our, um, our musicians today. It seems the uh, country music part, there's like a naturalness to, to that over there. And um, anyway, yeah, that's, that's always fun. That's always fun. Um, hey, uh, good things going on here. Uh, um, we had two uh, new air-conditioned units installed. Uh, however, the, uh, they're not, the work's not complete. It's done enough that cold air is coming upon us. It's not done enough that we can tell it to turn off when we want it to right now. But, but, by, but by this weekend's uh, events, really by tomorrow, it ought to be uh, as, it ought to, as, as it's supposed to be. But anyway, that's pretty exciting that, um, that God has provided in such a way um, that not only did we replace the one that was broken, we got to replace the one that was before it broke. So uh, two new air, air conditioning units going on here, and that's, that, that's good stuff going on. And um, anyway... Um, we're doing, uh, we're in the midst of our summer series, the comeback. And today I want to talk to you about how do you come back when life deals you a bad hand? Um, perhaps you, uh, have heard that term. It comes out of, uh, the world of card playing. They, they say in life, uh, you have to play the hand that you're dealt. It's, it's an analogy drawing from, uh, card games where you are, are given cards at random. They're, they're, the, the deck is shuffled so that they're all mixed up and they're handed out to you face down so that you don't know what you're getting until it's time to play. And then you turn them over and you, you see the hand that you are dealt, all right? And in life, you have to play the hand that you're dealt. Um, uh, depending on the cards that are given to you, your chances of winning or losing um, go up and down based on the hand that you're dealt. Because some cards have a high value and some cards have a low value. And depending on what your combination is, your chances of success can be high or your chances of success can be low. Um, at my previous church, um, we didn't play cards, but on the uh, first Tuesday of every month, the senior citizens get, would get together and play dominoes. All right. Now, that's not something I was familiar with, but they insisted on me learning. So they they taught me... How to play 42. Any, see, y'all, okay, some of you know. I did not know. Uh, we played another game called Shoot the Moon. Is that familiar with any of y'all? I can't remember how to play them. I just remember um, I, I would figure it out. But they would deal out these dominoes, and the dominoes have numbers. And I remember I'd get my first set of dominoes, and I'd be like, what do I do? And a little old lady would come over there, and she's like, ah, I don't know what to do. You, you've been dealt a bad hand. Um, and that's, that's, that's kind of where that, that terminology comes. So in life, you have to play the cards that you're dealt. Life is similar to a card game in that um, we all have different sets of, of strengths and weaknesses, different assets to utilize for our success, and different sets of obstacles to overcome. Uh, the Constitution says that all men are created equal. Uh, that statement is true in regards that all men are equally loved by God. I mean, it's not that, that some of you are here loved more than others. All men are loved equally by God. All men are also equal in this regard. That, that the cost of, to save me is the same cost it is to save you and anybody else in the world. Uh, it's the, the cost is, the, is the, the blood of the sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ. It's the same. All men are equal in, in that regard. Um, being born should not entitle anyone to privilege or power. And that's part of it. That's a, that's a, a staple for the United States because 
We just don't believe that somebody is born with royalty. And so therefore, because you are come from this bloodline, that you therefore should have authority over other folks. Um, just not the way that, uh, that we choose to live, and we just we don't believe that. Um, being born shouldn't entitle anyone to power or privilege. Um, so all men are created equal in that regard. However, not all men are not born equal. I mean, because we're not all equally strong, equally smart. Um, some of our parents or grandparents worked hard and saved or were just at the right place at the right time and were able to create a, a, a place of wealth from which you could grow from. All men, uh, all people are not born equal in that regard. Um, I mean, uh, truthfully, uh, I really could have been an NBA basketball player, um, except that I was not born to be tall or strong or fast, and I just wasn't able to develop that skill to make the ball go in the hole that's so important in that game. I mean, just four things, and I could have, I would just be doing something different in life, but I just wasn't born equal to a, a Dirk Nowitzki in that regard. Um, so in life, you got to play the cards that you're dealt with. Uh, we know that being born, if you're, if you're born with the genetics to be tall or strong, or if you were born into a family that had wealth, and so you had provision to provide for your, uh, for your to potential success, that that doesn't guarantee success. I mean, how many of you have known somebody who grew up with every advantage you could possibly hope for, and they could not turn it into success? I mean, anybody you know some folks? I mean, I, I could think of a few right now. We also know folks that were born with circumstances and obstacles in life where it's like it, you would say the deck was stacked against them. They had lots to overcome, but they worked hard. They persevered. They were diligent. And in spite of the obstacles and setbacks in their life, they were still able to become a success. And we find great inspiration from folks like that. So you play the cards that you're dealt in life. And life does not deal us all the same set of cards. Life does not give us all the same set of circumstances. When I think about having a bad hand, I think of my wife's friend, Patty. Um, she grew up in a home where her father, her, not her father, her stepfather molested her. She was dealt a bad hand. Think of my friend Dave, who in college marries the girl of his dreams. And then, out of nowhere, unexpectedly, she just leaves him. He was dealt a bad hand. I think of several women who uh, uh, married a man and either gradually or suddenly, the man turned to drugs or alcohol. And, and to watch that woman work hard to manage a home with a spouse who is devoted to a substance, and that substance changes who he is. They're dealt a bad hand. I think of my friend Lance. Growing up, he was my best friend, and uh, he was literally dealt a bad hand in life. Um, when we were teenagers, we were playing in the house, and... Uh, my sister and her friends were watching a girl movie, and us boys wanted to do something about that. So we got squirt guns and started squirting them in the house, which is a no-no. Well, so then the girls start squirting us back, and then my friend Lance turns his squirt gun on to me, which I'm feeling very betrayed at that point. So I decide I'm going to take him out into the yard and put the water hose on him, like you know, we're, you, we're not doing the squirting anymore. We're going to put the water hose on. My sister joins in this, but her plan was just to throw him out of the house because we, we were interrupting their, their movie. 
So we're, we're moving toward the front door, and I slip and fall. Um, my sister succeeds in throwing him out the house, and then she slams the door on him. He puts his hand out to brace the door, and his hand goes on to the glass, the, the, the pane, glass pane, and his hand goes through the door, through the glass, and as he pulls it back, that broken glass basically severed his left hand. Um, and I watched him for years. Uh, he struggled to recover, um, and it had uh, far more... Uh, the effects of that injury uh, was much more than physical. It, it really uh, devastated who he was as a person, his identity, um, and he got into all kinds of trouble as he tried to compensate for that. My friend Lance was literally dealt a bad hand. Well, so today, um, we're, we're going to take a look at a story of Jesus as he meets a guy who also was literally dealt a bad hand. Now, this story is found in the book of Mark, the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. It's in three of the Gospels. Um, I'm going to read you from Mark chapter 3 if you want to follow along with me. And let's learn about this fellow who in life was dealt a bad hand and uh, what he did about it and really what Jesus did about it. Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. So this text doesn't tell us much about this man. I mean, we know that he is in, this, in a synagogue on the Sabbath. And we know that Jesus healed him. The Gospel of Luke tells us that it was his right hand that was withered. Um, we don't know his name. What happened to his hand? Uh, was he born that way? Was it an accident? Maybe he was bit by a snake. I met a man in Albany um, who, when he was three years old, uh, a rattlesnake bit his hand, and it kept his hand from growing. So he had one adult-sized hand and one child-sized hand, and it was, I mean, it was all withered. He couldn't do anything with it. Um, uh, that happens here in Texas. Um, we don't know how long he had been like that. Maybe this happened when he was a child, or maybe it was something that happened when he, as he was older. Um, All we really know is that along the way, life dealt this man a bad hand. And undoubtedly, being unable to use one hand would have made life harder for him than for other people. But there are a couple of details in his story that I believe are meaningful for us today. Especially when life deals us a bad hand. I want you to notice where the man was when Jesus found him. He was in a synagogue. All three Gospels record that Jesus came to a synagogue and the man was already there. Mark 3, 1. And he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand. In Matthew 12, starting in verse 9. He went on from there and entered their synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand. Luke 6, 6. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. 
and a man was there whose right hand was withered. Could it have been that this was the first time this man was in a synagogue? Or maybe this was a regular part of his life. That, that, that he regularly went to a place where, where God was honored. Where God was sought after. Where God's will was, was upheld as greater than man's will. Maybe he was a fellow who he loved God. And he chose to honor God regularly in spite of life circumstances. We don't know if it was once or if this was his, part of his life's pattern. But he was in the synagogue when he meets Jesus. You know, I've met so many people who have allowed life circumstances to turn them negative and bitter. And, 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 and they'll even be bitter against God because of their life circumstances. Let me ask you something. Can you think of an instance where bitterness has ever improved a person? When has being bitter ever brought healing to someone? When has being bitter ever opened a door of opportunity? You see, when, when life deals you a bad hand, our temptation is to get upset about our circumstances and to become bitter. But that doesn't improve anything. And in fact, it, it really hinders things from getting better. Oftentimes, when we are dealt a bad hand, our motivation decreases. I know I'm guilty of that. We, we tend to want to stay in bed, avoid reality. I remember uh, one Christmas, bad Christmas. I came home from college, all right? I, uh, my, my mother and father were separated at that time had just separated at that time. That was bad news. My girlfriend and I broke up. And my dog of 12 years passed away. It was all, it was bad. You know what I did during that time? I would sleep till 2 p.m. every day just so I could avoid having to be conscious and awake. Um, it was work to sleep that much. But that's what I was doing in response to the negative circumstances in my life. We tend to want to hide. We tend not to want to do anything. We want to avoid reality. Many people will turn to substances in an effort to numb themselves. I had a neighbor when I was lived in Stephenville, Texas, and he was depressed. And he was sitting on his front lawn in his lawn chair, and he was complaining to me about his depression. He's like, I just can't escape this depression. I'm always so depressed. And he's sipping on a, a beer. All right. Now, I'm not trying to knock beer, but it's a depressant. And I said, it's like, well, listen, if you really want to be, uh, if you want to escape your depression, you might want to choose a different beverage because you're fueling the very thing you want to rid yourself of. That's what people do. Life had dealt this man a bad hand, but he was found in a place of worship, in a place where God was honored, in a place where God is sought. And I think that's a very important lesson when life deals you a bad hand. Don't go hide. Don't get bitter, but position yourself where the things of God are taught and sought and honored. I love the, the in Psalm 73, a fellow is dis, he's depressed because he's looking at the things in this world. Do the things in the world ever kind of depress you? You ever watch the news and come away going, God, I wish I would have put it on a different channel. <laughs> I do. Um. And I keep going back, what's happening? Oh, I don't like that. Um, 
This guy, he's depressed because he looks around and he sees that it's like wicked people are prospering and godly people are aren't doing so well and what's the deal and it's it's and in psalm 73 verse 16 he says but when i thought how to understand this it seemed to me a wearisome task until i went into the sanctuary of god then i discerned their end see, now i come into a place where i can see truth come into the sanctuary of god in verse 20 28 of that same chapter he concludes he says but for me it is good to be near god I have made the Lord my God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. When life deals you a bad hand, you might be tempted to wallow in self-pity, to avoid reality, to hide and sulk, but none of those things can alter the hand that you're dealt. But God can. So when you're dealt a bad hand, do as this man did. Be found in a place of worship where God is honored, where God is sought, where God is taught. We know something else about this man. Mark chapter 3, verse 3. This is Jesus. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. Luke puts it like this in verse 8. But he knew their thoughts and he said to the man with the withered hand, come and stand here. And he rose and he stood there. Jesus calls to him and he responds. You see, if you're going to come into a place where God is sought, where God is taught, where God is honored, God may very well speak to you, and you need to respond to that. I I mean, I I can't think of um, how embarrassing that moment could have been. A typical synagogue, I mean, they weren't really big. They put them, there was one in every city um, after the, um, after, uh, ah, my brain is, I hate it when I'm stupid in front of people, um, it happens. But I could be Shelby where I'm over here rattling about how old everybody is. <laughs> I'm just glad I'm not the only one. Um, no, after... <laughs> yeah. Um, after, after Israel was carried off into exile, that was the word I was looking for. They were in captivity in, in Babylon. They, they still maintained their worship while they were in captivity. That's when synagogues first uh, appeared. You won't read about synagogues really in the Old Testament at all. But by the time the New Testament comes along, it was a common staple. And in every town, they basically would pick the highest point in the city or they would elevate this one house um, so that it would be a place of worship in each city. And as you come in there, you typically would have some benches, about three benches along the walls and a, and a central location, but the, the, the middle of it was kept very open. Everybody kind of sat in the round. And Jesus would have come up there to teach. And here's this man sitting in the back, and he says he's got a withered hand, and Jesus calls him and says, come here. I mean, that some of you guys, to be... Right here, front and center, is terrifying. It's not a place that you want to come. And Jesus says, come here, in front of everybody. Everybody's looking at what's going to happen. Everybody's going to have be focused on this man who is with Jesus. He could have been, he could have sat there and said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to do it. I mean, I've known people in life, they, they avoid Bible studies in life groups because, they'll tell me this, they are afraid that somebody will call on them to pray or to read out of the Bible. That's, that's how big their fear is to avoid the spotlight. Don't call on me to pray. Don't call on me to read. What if I, what if I read the, that big Bible word wrong? Like, Howard, 
We deal with that, don't we? Yeah, and Howard is brave and getting braver about it. Just, uh, just don't get him a passage where there's a lot of them, okay? Um, think about the pressure to stand up there in the center of all those people. Jesus called him and he responded. You see, when you come into God's sanctuary and you sense his calling, your best bet is to respond in obedience. There have been many who have come into places like this. They've sensed God calling them to go, calling them to serve, calling them to pray, but for various reasons, refuse to respond. You may be thinking, how can I possibly go on a mission trip? You don't know the hand that I've been dealt. I've got this and this priority and this responsibility. I can't leave. That's the hand I've been dealt. I have debt and I need to work. How can I possibly respond to God's call with my circumstances? You may think, how can I possibly work with youth? You don't know the hand that I've been dealt. I've got this in my past. I've made this mistakes. I have these regrets and these hurts. I'm too messed up. Too wounded to respond to God's call. No matter what God's call is, a thousand reasons will come upon your mind. All giving you a reason why you can't give, why you can't serve, why you can't go. But, but, but if you would respond, you will discover what so many other people have discovered. That when you step out in faith, when you respond to God's call on your life with faith and obedience, what happens is... That is the beginning point of restoration, regardless of what the hand you've been dealt. Healing oftentimes happens when we begin to serve others as we serve God. Lots of us have figured that out. It's a wonderful surprise. If you've been dealt a bad hand, don't sulk and hide. Don't let bitterness keep you down. Bitterness won't change your hand, but God can. So position yourself in God's sanctuary. And, and should Jesus call to you, you respond. I, I'm sure all of you have been here at this place. You've had a, a terrible weekend. You've had a, a rough week. Things are bad. And the temptation is to stay home. But oftentimes when you, when you, when you discipline yourself to get up and come to the Bible study, come to the life group, come to the worship service. It's in those moments when you think, like, I just don't have anything left. How can I possibly go? That's when God gives you exactly what you've been needing all along. This man, who had been dealt a bad hand, was in the sanctuary of God. And Jesus called him. And he responded. And Jesus restored his hand. 1978, for all us old people. A guy named Kenny Rogers writes a song called The Gambler. Y'all remember? Seth, do you know what this is? No, he's looking at me like, what is it? Eh, it's a great song. I think I know this song because in 1978, I'm four years old, and my parents buy a country album um, sung by the Chipmunks, all right? So you could take country songs that I'm not interested in, pretend a squeaky little rodent is singing it, and I'm in. And I learned the song, The Gambler. In the second verse, here's, here's what he writes. Every gambler knows that the secret to surviving 
There's no one what to throw away, no one what to keep, because every hand's a winner, and every hand's a loser, and the best that you can hope for is to die in your sleep. Now, you can really hope for something better than that, but, um, but anyway, we're going to like, and when he finished speaking, he turned back towards the window, crushed out his cigarette, faded off to sleep, somewhere in the darkness. The gambler, he broke even, but in his final word, I found an ace that I can keep. You got to know when to hold him, know when to fold him, know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. Most of you know that. I saw all our youth right here. They're like, what is going on here? <laughs> Weirdness at church today. It's a good song, a fun song, a very catchy tune. I apologize because you're all going to go home singing that song today. Here's the thing, though. It's a catchy tune. There's a little hint of wisdom in it. But you know what frustrates me about it? Kenny never tells me when I'm supposed to hold them, when I'm supposed to fold them. He, ne- he just says, you got to know it. You, you got to know when to. And, uh, and truthfully, in life, there have been many times when I held on too long. There have been other times when I should have let go and I didn't. There are times that it's like I didn't walk away. And other times that I'm like, gosh, why didn't I run? He never tells you that sort of stuff. Catchy song, but he doesn't tell us that. Well, I thought to end today's message, just to look at some of the scriptures that tell us when to hold them, when to fold them, when to walk away, and when to run. John 8, 31 and 32. And I, I like because the word hold is in the, the, the NIV version. Jesus, to the Jews who believed him, Jesus says, if you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You hold on to the word of God. You don't let go of that. Regardless of what the world is tempting you with, you hold on to the word of God. No matter what philosophy is currently popular, you hold on to the word of God. When you hear the teachings of scripture, you hold on to that. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, But test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Hold on to the things that are good. This world's so filled with so much bad, you really got to hold on to the good. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. Your character, your name, that's worth so much more than your possessions and your and your wealth, hold on to that good name. You may be tempted to do things that may mar your name just to get that wealth. Hold on to that. Hold on to good things. Hold on to your wife and hold on to your kids. They grow up so fast, don't they? Yeah, he's like, yes, they do. They do, and I lament that with you. I love First Timothy 6, 12. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Hold on to the promises of God. Hold on. Take hold of the salvation that God offers. 
only through his son, Jesus Christ. If you have not given your life to Jesus for salvation, that is something you need to take hold of. Hold on to the promises of God. How about when to fold them? To fold, if you're unfamiliar with card uh, games, to fold is to discard one's hand, to forfeit interest in the current pot. Uh, No further bets are required of the gambler uh, if they fold, but the person who's folding cannot win. When should you fold them? Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. You have those moments when you're just mad and angry and bitter. You fold that. You just, just put that away. Not serving you. You need to let go of unforgiveness. Holding a grudge is never going to... Um, Connect you with anything good. And I know we've all got our reasons to hurt and be upset. We've all been wronged. But for your own sake, you let go of the grudge. You need to let go of control. We love control. Jesus says in Luke 17, 33, Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life will keep it. Control is not all cracked up to be. Really, when you lose your life for Jesus' sake, you find it. Let go of pride. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Pride holds us back. Pride would have kept the man with the withered hand from walking down and experiencing healing that God was going to give him. Because he said, I don't want to be seen in front of folks. When to walk away. Jesus gives this teaching in Matthew chapter 10. Starting in verse 12, he says, As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. See, when we're called to share the good news of the gospel, of the kingdom of God, of, of God's salvation, but, we're, but in our sharing it, we're not meant to force it upon people. So you share the good news. If, if people receive it, walk with them. Coach them, mentor them, disciple them. But if they do not receive it, walk away and pray for God's work in their life to be, and, and just be watchful for another opportunity. And when to run away. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Flee youthful passions. Passions really can get you in a lot of trouble. Uh, It's good to be passionate, but it's not good to be dominated by your passions. You ought to flee those things. Those are things that you should run away from. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, uh, verse 9 through 11 says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith And pierce themselves with many pains. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfast, gentleness. That love of money. It gives you the illusion of power and of control. The Bible says that's something you ought to run away from. And one more scripture. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee from sexual immorality. 
Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. There's a whole lot of mess that we can get into. The, the sexual temptations in this world, those are ones that the, that the Bible says don't, don't, don't even dabble in it. You, you flee from that. When to hold them, when to fold them, when to walk away, and that's one that you run from. So in life, you got to play the hand you're dealt. We all have different skill sets, strengths, weaknesses, and obstacles. If you've been dealt a bad hand, and it can happen if it hasn't already. Simple lesson. Draw near to God. Be consistent about it. And respond. So I'm going to invite our musicians to come up. And, uh, and let's just have a time to respond. And I've, I've preached long enough to know that the Spirit of God is not dependent upon my words. God could very easily be talking to somebody else about something completely different. But if it's God talking, you want to respond to that. Let me ask you this. The Bible says to hold, take hold of the eternal life that is there in Christ Jesus. Have you done that? Have you, in response to what God has done by sending His Son Jesus, who died on a cruel cross, and on that cross the sins of the world were placed upon Him and died along with Him, and He's resurrected. Three days later, He comes out of the grave, and He ascends up to the Father, and He's now sitting at the right hand of God, praying for those who belong to Him. Do you belong to Him? Have you taken hold of it? The Bible says, to all who would receive him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. Have you received it? He's offered you the gift of salvation. Have you taken it? You take it with a prayer. You take it with a commitment. You take it by saying, God, I believe and I receive the promises that you have. Have you done that? I'm going to stay up front today. And if you need to be saved, you come. Let me pray with you. Today can be the start of God's work in your life. Maybe you've got some obstacle right now that's just, it's just a bit much. I invite you to, to come. Let me pray with you. You and I have so little power to change the hands that we're dealt, but God can. Let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. All right? So as we begin to sing, if God speak it to you, you come, you respond. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son Jesus. And he is greater than any of life's circumstances. Father, you can take the difficult things in life, the tragedies, and you could turn them into testimonies of your greatness your power of your love. And I just pray that for each and every person here today, regardless of what they're going through, that their faith can be set on you. So Father, in these moments, have your way. Guide us and direct us. For you know all things. And your ways are good.
pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.